Hi everyone, it's Abadesi, your host of Product Hunt Radio, where I'm joined by the founders, investors, and makers that are shaping the future of tech. I'm excited to announce the launch of our new season, season three, which would not have been possible without your support. We really appreciate every review and tweet from our listeners. Thank you so much. This season, each episode is framed as a how-to. I ask industry experts to reflect on their unique experiences so that we can leverage their actionable advice. In our first episode, I speak to one of my tech heroes, Ruben Harris, about how to future-proof your career. He is the CEO at Career Karma, an app that lets job training programs like coding boot camps find qualified applicants. And he's also the brains behind the cult podcast, Breaking Into Startups, which I was obsessed with. He's a Bay Area transplant who hails from Atlanta, Georgia. And fun fact, he's played cello for over 25 years and performed at really cool venues like Carnegie Hall. This interview is packed with nuggets of wisdom. So grab your notebook and enjoy. Ruben, thank you so much for being on Product Hunt Radio today. I've been looking forward to this interview for a long time because I have to admit, I have been a consumer of your content for many years now. Um, just being aware of your story of how you broke into tech and then, of course, listening to your podcast, breaking into startups, and even following Career Karma online, it's just been extremely motivating and inspiring for me to have someone like you in my periphery, in my vision just like reaching new heights all the time, which is incredible. So I'm really happy to have you on the show today because we get to borrow your brain for the next 45 minutes or so and get some really exciting insight and advice from all of your experiences and also hear a bit more about the future of careers. And I feel like if there's anyone in the world I want to ask that question to in our industry right now, it's absolutely you. So I know we're going to focus on this theme of how to future-proof our careers. This is obviously something that's very important, particularly in tech. It's changing all the time. I thought it might be nice just to kind of start and hear from you about Career Karma, the product that you're building and the problem that you're solving with your community and your platform. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, first of all, thank you for having me on the show. For the people that don't know what Career Karma does, um, Career Karma helps people become software engineers by matching them to coding boot camps and giving them support for the rest of their careers. So when people download our app, they go through a three-week pre-training process to get accepted into a bootcamp called the 21 Day CK Challenge. And we give them support through small groups of people like them called squads that don't just help them stay motivated during the pre-training to get into the bootcamp, but also during the program and during the job search. Every single person that downloads the app gets access to a Career Karma coach that is currently in a coding bootcamp that checks in with them on a day-to-day basis so that they can have that support uh, for the rest of their life. That's pretty much what we do. That's incredible. And as someone that has documented quite openly your own journey breaking into tech, um, you came from an investment banking background. You kind of took one of the more drastic routes where you just up sticks and literally relocated from Atlanta to San Francisco and found your way to a job. But in what way have those experiences, including your own co-founders' experiences, fed into the way you've designed your product? Yeah, so my co-founders and I met about five years ago, um, and we spent time working not just uh, at six different startups, but um, I met my first co-founder in investment banking, 
And like you said, I spent the time in a bunch of different industries, but I went to a small school that most people have never heard of. And part of the reason why we created Career Karma is because the advice that was given to us was, you know, if you want to break into tech, just move out there and you'll, you'll be able to figure it out. And we did, but for most people, they need guidance. And essentially, as we, the way that we designed Career Karma was to essentially create the product that we wish that we had when we were breaking into tech. And so given the fact that we are the product of uh, not just having each other around like the original squad, but also having really strong mentors and coaches that helped us along the way, we felt that it's not fair for privileged people that can pay money for coaches or that have special access coaches to have the support from these individuals, but that anybody in the world should be able to have access to people that know what they're doing, that have been through what they've been through for free, that are down to help them with whatever they need. And so I would say that that's part of what has shaped career karma to get to where it is today. That's incredible. And when you think of the first iteration of career karma in the context of solving that challenge of how you break into tech, how you find the roles that are right for you, how you get the support throughout the journey, because it is challenging. It can feel super isolating. You can feel alone. You go from having nowhere to understand how to access the information to being overwhelmed by information. In what key ways do you feel your vision of what the product should do has evolved over time? And how do you see that changing as you look forward? Well, you said two words that you said evolve and change, right? So the tech world is is constantly changing. It's also constantly evolving and getting better, faster. Um, I think if you think about transparency, not just about bad things, but about good things, you know, that's extremely important. Um, and it's something that has persisted to this day um, as something that's very important to us. Um, most people that are outside of tech don't have clarity on what roles exist in tech, the training programs to get into those roles, the skills that are required, how to get them if you don't go to college, the types of people that could get them referred in there, how to structure those types of interviews, how to create those types of resumes and things like that. So, you know, you, you asked again about what, what shaped me to get, shaped us to get to this point. You know, when I was in school and the school that I graduated from, there was no investment banking alumni that I could talk to. So I had to find somebody that could expose me to it. I had to actually, I discovered a blog called Breaking Into Wall Street in an online training program that taught me financial modeling online. And then I was able to leverage relationships through a diversity program called Sponsors for Educational Opportunity and MLT. And they gave me mock interviews and they coached me and they referred me to get super days with all the biggest investment banks, even though I went to a small school with a bad GPA to prove that I had the skills and I was able to ultimately land the job. So if you think about career karma and the spirit of transparency, you know, career karma has built a directory of the best coding boot camps with over 450 programs to provide transparency to the industry that you can link to in the show notes. We've also created the state of the market income share agreement report so people know that even if you don't have money, these schools promise to get you a job. And if you don't get a job, you don't have to pay a dime and how that works and how it's spreading not just to coding boot camps, but also to colleges. And we also created a guide called How to Pay for a Coding Bootcamp so you can know not just about income share agreements and these promises, but also about scholarships, 
government programs, GI bills, um, and all kinds of other things to be able to take advantage of these opportunities because most people don't have tens of thousands of dollars in their pocket and are already overloaded with lots of debt. So I would say transparency, coaching, mentorship is extremely important to us. Relationships are extremely important to us. I mean, we are true believers that there's no such thing as a self-made person. And going back to the importance of keeping it free, uh, we make sure that um, that career karma will always be free. And the only cost is that when you get to the next level, that you're willing to help somebody behind you in the future. And that's why we're doing it. It's because people helped us. I love that um, part of your mission. I, I really do that idea that our only expectation from you as a community member is that you help out the others that come after you. It's that whole notion of each one, teach one. And I think that spirit of reciprocity and sharing information is what makes the tech world so incredible in many ways. I know we still have a long way to go as far as representation is concerned and stuff like that, but there is such a spirit of just helping each other out. And like, you know, once, once we know more about exactly the things that you've outlined, what roles are out there, the best way to position ourselves for them, how to navigate the recruitment process, it goes from being a very closed off, opaque, an intimidating industry to one which suddenly feels more accessible. And I think that's wonderful. I'd love to know more about like how you actually create that content at Career Karma because you're in such a unique position to support people coming from all kinds of backgrounds as they decide they're making this move into software engineering and into tech. Do you have a lot of like feedback loops there that help you source this and like vet this from your existing community, as well as getting the right information from your actual bootcamp partners. Yeah. So to your point, you know, there's two sides of the app. There's people that are trying to get jobs and then there's job training programs that are looking for qualified applicants. And so it's very important for us to work with schools and job training programs that stand by the outcomes of their people. And when I talk about outcomes, a job training program is not successful unless they get you a job. And if you don't get a job, you shouldn't have to pay anything. And so on the content side, you know, we make sure that for the job training programs, we share not just content from the leaders there, but from alumni that have successfully gotten jobs from those programs. And you can hear over a hundred of those episodes on something called the Breaking Into Startups podcast that we created in 2016 before we started Career Karma. On the other side, uh, we have people themselves that are not just pre-training to try to get into coding boot camps or that are currently in boot camps or that are in the job search or that are currently employed talking about this with each other through the app, but also writing content for the Career Karma publication that, that you could just check out on our blog on the website. And uh, it's a combination of user-generated content, us sharing our own stories because my co-founders did. Um, Hack Reactor and App Academy in the beginning of the bootcamp industry. My brother did App Academy, and you can hear all of our stories on um, our podcast because what we realize is that the media tends to focus primarily on CEOs and VCs, but very rarely on the workers that actually built the companies. And so these student stories are the best proof that you can get that is possible. And I'm not just talking about 
privileged people that are from the richest families. I'm talking about people that are older or younger or formerly incarcerated or high school dropouts or college dropouts or moms or dads or different sexual orientations or different religions or different disabilities as possible. And so we want to make sure that we continue dropping that content, not just on audio and through written content, but even through our YouTube channel, which is youtube.com slash career karma. So people can really consume this content and you can think about it kind of like daily workout music that keeps you motivated on these journeys. I think you really hit the nail on the head there when you said that it's about motivation. And I think, you know, you're right. I think what's so cool about the type of content you make for me is also just like how accessible it is. Like I do a lot of mentoring or like speaking at universities or other tech companies. And I always encourage people exactly as you said, to hear real life stories, because I think a lot of the time, if you're being given advice or you're being given some kind of like theory, it always feels a bit too abstract. Like do your best, try this, be diligent, chase up, be resilient. I think putting it in the context of actual folks who are relatable people, you know, just like our friends or just like our coworkers and hearing the step-by-step processes that they took, how they dealt with rejections, how they navigated all the stages of recruitment and then eventually got their offer and now are in a role and how they're excelling and how they're leveling up. That's the kind of information that tends to stick in my brain better. So I think that's solid advice and I really appreciate that. One of the things I wanted to speak to you about was a bit about perception of like software engineering talent and also perception of software engineering as a career path. Starting with perception of software engineering talent, I thought you could be like one of the best placed people to speak to really like hiring managers or CTOs or any other tech team leaders that are listening to this and perhaps are still only hiring their engineering talent from whatever historic existing talent pool they've always used. It might be like alumni of the computer science program at the university that they went to, or it might be like one specific recruitment agency that they've always worked with historically. And they haven't necessarily widened the scope or broadened the top of that funnel yet to include other professional training programs or other boot camps. What could you say to folks like that uh, to encourage them to switch things up a bit and be more open-minded about where they source talent from? The way I would think about things and just like the way the world is going to move going forward is that there's currently about 50,000 people graduating from four-year universities every year, about 40,000 people graduating from boot camps every year, and over half a million open jobs for software engineers. And in the next five years, by 2024, there'll be about 400,000 people graduating from four-year universities and about 1.4 million people open jobs, which means about a million people have to get jobs outside of college. So when you think about that, even if you hire all of the talent that graduates from the legacy systems, you're not going to have enough people to fill the open jobs. And that's just like new openings. That's not even like old things or whatever. So you're like, Companies inevitably are going to have to build talent in addition to buying talent. I think that um, if you think about the App Store only being invented in 2008, you know, we're actually in the early innings of software developers being around. And the majority of software developers are actually self-taught. If you look at the majority of people that are actually in coding boot camps, that 70% of them actually have 
college degrees, and many of them actually have computer science degrees. I don't know if you know this, but I'm a, um, I'm a classical musician, so I've been playing the cello for 25 years, so bear with me with this analogy. I think about the tech industry very similar to the music industry, where it's accepting of anybody. It doesn't matter what your background is as long as you can do the work, just like as long as you can make songs that people like. And so if you think about the most successful musicians that you hear on the radio, most of them aren't classically trained. They just know how to make songs that people like. And so boot camps focus on, or these job training programs focus on exactly what companies need. And they're communicating with companies to know what skills are required. And they teach them that skill set. Yes, sometimes they are a little less strong on the theory, depending on which job training program that they went to, but they can do the work. And since companies invest in those people, they end up learning the theory on the job. A lot of people that graduate from four-year universities are very strong in theory, but I can tell you right now, I had a state school that gave me a thousand of their senior computer science degree majors, and none of them have done a mock interview. And uh, for a company. They don't know a lot of different things that are fundamental to doing work in a company. And so I would say people at four universities tend to be more theory heavy um, versus, and less practical heavy unless they went to a Ivy League school or a top school, quote unquote. And then people that are at boot camps are heavy on knowing the practical things that are required on the job and are less light on the theory. I think that as a hiring manager, if I'm a person that's trying to widen my talent funnel, I need to recognize that I'm going to have to hire from all those paths and they're both viable regardless because there's not enough talent from both in order to fill my position. So just put them through the same process and give them a shot. I think what boot camps are going to have to try to figure out, which I don't think they're going to do alone, is how to create a signal that recruiters recognize because recruiters are limited on time. And so they're going to have to spend a lot of time trying to identify who is worth giving a shot, even if they want to hire from boot camps. And you can think about it similar to the music industry. There's arguably more talent that's not signed to a record label than is signed to a record label. But what a talented, the biggest struggle that a talented singer has is playing their music for the right person. So that's how I think about it. I love the music industry analogy because you're so right. Like so much of success is the opportunity, getting your talent in front of the right person. And I think you're right. One of the challenges that we have in, in the job market and specifically when we think of ourselves as potential employees or we think of ourselves as hiring managers is that we rely on signals to help us deal with an abundance of information. And sometimes those signals are signifiers like what university you went to or what companies you've worked at previously or, you know, what startup you launched in the last few years. And so you're right, like there's definitely still that challenge around like how can boot camps best figure that out and best communicate that but it feels like as long as there's always communities growing like sharing information and and creating those feedback loops there'll be an opportunity for both sides to learn from each other i think it's also really like encouraging and and promising to think of 
how many CTOs and tech hiring managers I know out there who have really strong relationships with with boot camps, but also host their own events. Kind of like you said, you know, the best engineers now are self-taught, even if they already have a computer science degree, but didn't have a lot of opportunities to do a lot of practical work on that or like work on employability skills. But I see more and more tech companies also like basically designing their own challenges and problems and putting them out there and basically saying like, hey, have a go at this, see if you can do it (laughs) as a way to uh, tap into talent. You know what I mean? Yeah. And also like going back to what you said about change and evolving, like even engineers that have been coding for a long time recognize that their skills are outdated and actually big companies are putting in 500 million a year investments. Like if you look at um, Amazon and AT&T, for example, um, they actually are spending a lot of money to reskill their current talent and launching things called um, like Amazon Technical Academy, for example. And you're seeing a lot of boot camps starting to partner with companies to train current talent or to train talent in like a certain neighborhood that's black so they could get diversity talent like what Treehouse is doing. You also are seeing universities themselves launching their own boot camps because they recognize that four years is too long. So, you know, the future of work is, and there's a great report that came out this in October called The Future of Work in Black America. I'm bringing it up because I'm black, so it's important to talk about that. But just in general, it's not just for black people. Most people in America are poor. So just like thinking of, most people in America that are poor are actually white. A lot of people don't know that. So it's just like, it's not just about race. It's just like, this is a long-term unemployment rate remains persistently high. And it's a big reason because of not just lack of transparency, but also lack of an understanding of how to navigate through this big sea of information that's constantly changing and how to stay accountable once you decide what you want to do. If you're working on a startup or even just thinking about it, check out the new audio course, Launch a Startup, only on Knowable. You'll hear founders like Reddit's Alexis Ohanian and Everlane's Michael Praisman, plus a whole team of business experts teach lessons on business planning, product development, fundraising, and everything else you need to know to get your startup going. The best part? You'll get $1,000 in AWS credits just for enrolling. Pretty sweet deal. Start listening today on the Knowable app or at knowable.fyi. That's knowable.fyi. Product Hunt Radio listeners get 20% off with the code LAUNCH at checkout. I think you made like a really good point there, especially around the future of work, employability. Who does it matter to if unemployment remains high? Who does it matter to if there continues to be a skills gap in terms of people that want to be employed and the roles that are out there? Ultimately, all of us, like none of us are really exempt from the consequences of those challenges because, um, you know, we're all connected to each other. And like even the most privileged people in society will have to contribute some kind of cost to supporting those people, at least in the modern societies that we live in because we pay tax, et cetera. So I think it's really interesting how you bring that up. And in fact, it kind of leads into my next question, because I wanted you to speak a bit around sourcing talent from a hiring leadership perspective. But now I kind of want to switch gears into actual professionals. So a lot of the people who are listening to this are going to be in our product and community, and they are at various stages of their own tech journeys. I think I see more and more 
professionals wanting to skill up and level up exactly as you said, they might've already done a kind of technical degree. I'm very hesitant to use the word technical because I don't necessarily like the distinction that that creates. And I think there's like technical elements to lots of different disciplines, even if they're not software engineering, but to be crass, let's just say, you know, even those who have studied something which would typically be considered a technical degree are looking for ways to update their skill set, keep up with the times, exactly as you said, what advice can you give to individuals who are listening who want to invest in further training for their professional skills to level up their existing technical credentials, but they're not really sure which path to go down or how niche to go? Is there any kind of like framework or guidance that you can recommend to help them get a bit more clarity about yeah, just how to level up as a software engineer, for example. Yeah. I mean, I think as a software engineer or anybody in general, you want to recognize that time is your most precious commodity, right? So like you really want to assess what you want to do with your time. So like whether you're exploring college or online courses or boot camps or whatever, you want to factor in the time that it takes to complete the program, what it gets you and the time that you currently have available and any sacrifices that you can make to invest time and hopefully whatever you're investing from a time perspective creates more time for you in the future. So I think assessing that first matters. So then when you're exploring the type of job training that you're looking for, I encourage people to only pursue options that hold themselves accountable to you getting a job, right? So if you go to a program that's free and you complete it, but there's no job at the end. That's cool. You might've learned something, but like the point, right? The people that come to us are oriented towards getting a job. So it sounds great that you finished it, but if most people aren't getting jobs out of that, that's a problem. Like, and there's a hundred million people that have signed up for online courses in the last seven years with a five to 15% completion rate. So more knowledge is good, But if the focus is a job, then that's a problem. Also, if you're paying for a course, let's say college, um, and I went to college, so this isn't a knock on college, but if I take out loans to go to college or I pay for it up front and I drop out and I never get a job and I have nothing to show for it, I just spent thousands of dollars. And for some people, some people say for nothing, or I paid thousands of dollars to learn something with no job. And if jobs were my goal, I still didn't get it. I can complete the college and pay for it and not get a job. And I still got to pay the school. And so that's great because I got more knowledge, but I didn't get the job. Right. And so part of the reason why our student debt load is at $1.6 trillion for 45 million Americans, because people believe that if they take out the loans, that they will get a job that put them in a position to pay back the loans. Similarly, if you're exploring boot camps, same thing goes. There's some boot camps that charge you up front. There's some boot camps that hold themselves accountable to you getting a job. Yes, income share agreements are a great study now pay later model, but sometimes people don't want to do income share agreements and they want to pay up front or they can pay for a loan and some of these boot camps will say, "Look, we believe in our our program so much that we will give you your money back if you don't get a job. And some colleges are doing this as well. And that model is spreading across the board. So I would say, find yourself 
a program that holds themselves accountable to you. After you find that, it's important to find people that have attended the program, people that are currently in the program so you know how to pass their current admissions process because all of these programs that hold themselves accountable to you have an admissions process because they want to make sure that you're not just someone that says that they want to finish. They want to make sure that you're somebody that starts and finishes the program because if you don't finish the programs, then the teachers never get paid because the teachers need to get paid to survive, right? Because teachers are one of the most disrespected roles in America. So we got to make sure that we respect our teachers. And so finding people that are in the program are going to have the most relevant information because going back to what you said about evolution and change, the job training programs are changing their process all the time because they're always talking to companies about exactly what they need to teach you because if they stay stagnant, they're going to be teaching you things that are outdated, which many job training programs do. And so if they're not changing, they're not going to do that. So you want to talk to people that are in the program because alumni aren't going to have the most relevant information. And so once you do know how to pass the interview and what you need to do to prepare for that, you want to connect with people that are like you that are trying to pass that exam. Because sometimes if you don't come from a traditional background, like let's say you're a mom, the way that you structure your day to prepare for an exam is difficult. And sometimes somebody that's not a mom can't relate to you. So other moms that are preparing together can like coordinate to help each other to prepare to pass these exams. And so all of this stuff is essentially simplified in the Career Karma app. So you can just download the app and we'll put you through that process. And I'll say to put a bow on all of this is once you decide what you're going to do, you need to be disciplined and consistent, putting in a consistent amount of time every day without quitting. Obviously, you want to have natural breaks so you can rest and not make your brain explode, but you want to be consistent and you want to improve every day. So that's what I'll say. I love that. That's like the complete checklist. I was taking notes furiously. Um, and then you were like, but this is all in the app. And I was like, oh, right. Okay. So <laughs> I could just download the app and save myself time. Um, but yeah, that was incredible. I think the point that you made that sticks out to me the most is how important it is. One, optimize for employability. Like, why are we leveling up our skills? Why are we investing our time in this? Why are we investing our resources into this? It's because we have our eyes on a future job opportunity. We have our eyes on that role that we can't wait to go for, that leadership position we aspire to one day. And I think you're absolutely there, absolutely right. Make sure you're choosing programs that are holding themselves accountable to you landing those roles. That's that's great advice. But what stood out for me even more was that idea of, connecting with people who are going through it right now, like people who are in the trenches right now. Because just like you said, the value in reaching out to an alumni of a, of a boot camp or a training program, to be honest, even the value in reaching out to an alumni of, let's say, like a startup or a tech company is diminished as time goes on because the processes are changing, the recruitment process is changing, the bootcamp curriculum is changing, the relationship with employers is changing, and the landscape is changing in terms of what skills are in demand. So making sure that all of the information you receive is both current and contextual is key, right? And that example that you gave there, you know, if you are a mom working part-time whilst trying to pursue the software engineering career, speaking to someone that 
is working on the course full time with no dependents is going to be completely different, right? You have different constraints on your time. You have different backgrounds. So I love that idea of like finding the most relevant information in the context that you need it. Yeah. I mean, if you think about us, like we just finished Y Combinator this year and we raised $2 million for Career Karma. And Y Combinator is something that a lot of aspiring entrepreneurs want to get into. But if you want to get into Y Combinator, you probably want to talk to me versus somebody that did it five years ago because the process has changed a ton since then. Yes, exactly. So I'd love to like take a step back um, for folks who are listening, you know, makers all around the world who maybe haven't quite got to the point where they've decided they're going to go and do a coding bootcamp, whether they're like breaking into tech or whether they're trying to level up. These might be folks who are like either a bit younger and still considering what is the right path into tech for them. Or these could be folks from like other industries or other backgrounds who are tempted by engineering. I know that a huge part of what your community and all the different partners you work with provide is exactly what we've been talking about. These like contextual career pointers, the hard skills and technical skills that are needed for the role. In all of your time building career karma, having all these conversations with all these incredibly talented people, and now with the tens of thousands of engineers in your community, do you feel there are any qualities, whether that's a personality trait, whether that's some innate characteristic that you see as a common thread amongst standout individuals in your community who've gone on to excel in the field of engineering. And the reason that I'm asking this is because it feels like, to your point, when we think of the tech industry through the lens of the media, we see the same storylines, we see the same narratives. For example, we often hear about what CEOs are up to. We hear about what leadership are up to, but we don't hear about what is actually happening on the ground in an office, what the ordinary worker is doing. And in a similar way, I feel like the media have built up a very like almost one-dimensional profile of what a good software engineer is. So I just kind of want to hear your perspective on this. What are those qualities that make someone a good engineer? And maybe there isn't a common thread. I don't know. I just kind of want to hear what your take is on that. Yeah, I mean, I haven't done a thorough research and analysis on this. We did just drop a quiz, a personality quiz online for this. It's kind of like the Myers-Briggs for Middle America career karma style. Uh, so you all could check that out um, on our website. But if I was going to think about the common threads that make people successful in our community, I would say the ability to communicate is underrated, right? So being able to communicate what you want, what you need help with, what your value is, on the way that you talk to yourself, uh, the way that you talk in a corporate environment, the way that you communicate with others, the way that you express your emotions, um, the way that you express how you feel, period, I think matters. The way that, that you tell stories, the way that you lead workshops, the way that you teach others to reinforce what you already know. Humility matters as well. There's a fine line between confidence and arrogance. And I think confidence is extremely important, but you can be humble and confident at the same time. And there's a lot of people that I see that are rocks for people in the community as squad leaders um, that also demonstrate the ultimate level of servant leadership. 
that I think is important. So gladiator style leadership. They're not just telling people what to do. They're in the field with it with everybody else. So I think humility matters. I think the ability to manage perception matters too. Um, when you're in a job, so going back to knowing the language on how people communicate in the workplace matters, but like just you talked about perception before, the way that you present yourself about how you're doing work and how you're uh, structuring your time and your abilities matters. Like if you're if you're presenting yourself as someone that's insecure, people are going to think that you're an insecure person, even if you're not. A lot of people in career karma or just in general that are new to an industry feel something called imposter syndrome. And so it's okay to feel that. Everybody feels that, but you don't want them to see you sweat, right? It's like a dog smelling fear, right? You don't want to show them that. And so I think the people that are totally comfortable embracing their insecurities and their fears, but stepping into a room fearlessly and confidently believing in themselves matters. Because if you don't believe in yourself, it's going to be very difficult to convince anybody else to believe in you. If you wouldn't hire yourself, it's going to be very difficult to get somebody else to hire you. The other thing that I would say is the way, well, this goes back to communication, like the way that you spend who you are right now, right? If you're walking around being like, I'm a junior developer, people are going to treat you that way. But if you are a teacher that has been teaching for a long time, you are a seasoned teaching veteran that happens to learn how to code, right? So the way that you spin it matters because if you could walk into an interview and you crush the interview like a senior engineer or an engineer that gets paid way more money than you expected, they're not going to know that you're junior. They're just going to be looking at your work and they're going to be listening to what you say and they're going to be observing about how you work with others and how humble you are and how passionate you are. I'll say passion is something else. I know I'm rambling a little bit. I say passion matters, right? Loving your work, like treating what you do like play, right? That matters. Uh, being willing to do anything. And even if you weren't getting paid for it also matters. Solving problems that you personally care about and you're building projects that are solving problems in your own life that rather than just creating Twitter clones, which is nothing wrong with that. But if you're applying what you're doing to your life and you're loving it and you're teaching others, there's a lot of things that come. So I'll say those are those are probably some of the some of the main things that I see that that stand out to me. And also just if you let's say that you ran out of work to do, if you are asking to for more work to do and to be busy and to volunteer and you just want to do everything you can to help others, like I I, 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 I would stand by those people forever. Yeah, that's amazing. I feel like all of, all of those points you just made should be like printed into one of those little books that they always sell at the checkout of the bookstore. Do you know what I mean? Like the ones that you keep in your pocket, like pocket guide, Ruben's pocket guide to life. But there was so, so many nuggets of wisdom in that. I was just like, write it down, write it down, write it down. But I think, you know, to your last point, let's talk a bit about passion because I feel that passion is a word that is being overused and people are forgetting that you cannot demonstrate passion by merely using the word passionate about, you know? And the reason why I say that is because I'm the kind of person, you know, working in the product and community where I have folks reaching out to me all the time, whether they want me to check out their product, give them advice on the startup that they're building or their own career and I hear a lot of people telling me stuff like I am passionate about 
health tech. I'm passionate about tech for good. But when I'm asking for the evidence of that, like, oh, great, like, show me your project. You know, where can I read about what you're working on? It doesn't exist. It doesn't exist. Now, where is the credibility in that statement? You know, where's the proof of that statement if there's nothing that they can point me towards? And I'm really grateful to you on my behalf, but also on my listeners' behalf, that you are pointing out that passion is demonstrated through the work that you do, through the projects that you're building, through those extra units of time between work and the classroom where you're tinkering tinkering away at something. Um, And it's within everyone's grasp to do those things that align with their passion, building, making, whatever. And I hope we do see more of it because, you know, I'm sure you also see this yourself, people that are applying to career karma or people that are applying to be a part of your team. It's easy to say you're passionate. It's a lot harder to actually demonstrate that. Um, and I think truly passionate people are the ones that actually put put their time where their mouth is and, and work on those things. So thank you for, for reminding me of that. I think the other thing which is really valuable in what you said uh, was actually when you were talking about communication. So you talked about how communication is key. And of course, this is something that we hear over and over again. And it must be really difficult to do because it always comes up as something that people value, but it also comes up as the number one thing people want to do better at or that people struggle with. And I think it's because it's so all-encompassing. And the part about communication that I want to pick up on in what you said is how you communicate with yourself and how you communicate about yourself. I think that's so important. There is so much of communication that we wrap up in purely like dialogue. Ooh, how am I speaking to them? Do they understand me? Am I understanding them? Am I listening to them? But you made some really important points about like one, how like our self-belief and our confidence comes from how we communicate about us, uh, communicate to ourselves about ourselves, right? Like for example, if one of my friends has had a bad day and they're saying stuff like, oh, I'm such a loser, I will stop them. I'll be like, don't talk about my friend like that. My friend is not a loser. My friend had a bad day, but they're a great person. And I think we need to show that kindness to ourselves because exactly as you said, that then feeds into others' perception of ourselves. And I think that's so valuable. Basically, if we don't communicate well and positively to ourselves, it's going to be hard to believe in ourselves. Is that what you mean? A thousand percent, a thousand percent. What I, what I love that you brought up about passion, this might sound a little corny, but I think that like, I think the world craves authenticity, right? And if you if you think about most people that go to work, they got masks on, right? Because they're if they go home and they're a different person, then like they were just like pretending to be somebody else to get the job work. And then they're like a different person at home. So it's like, what would the workplace feel like if everybody came in with their mask off and they were themselves, right? They were just like authentically themselves. I think if they felt comfortable, part of the reason why people come in with masks on is because they don't want to get fired. That's one thing. Like they, they don't feel like they can be themselves. So that's not completely the individual's fault. It might be the environment of the workplace being uncomfortable and not feeling like they can be themselves. So I think they're like, in order to be passionate, you have to be comfortable to, 
with yourself and you have to be in an environment where you can be open about what's going on. The other thing that's interesting about passion that you brought up is, you know, my cello teacher talked to me a lot about um, how nothing in life is successful unless you have passion around it. And the reason why somebody is going to buy a cello album from somebody, even if two different cellists are playing the same piece, is the way that one cellist expressed it versus the other person, right? And so for me, I've always differentiated myself on cello playing by the way that I express myself through music. And going back to your inner talk that you said, another thing that my cello teacher always told me is that strength comes from inside you, not from forte. So a lot of times when people play music, especially cello, and they want to start showing off, they start playing loud and like being playing all these fancy lines. But like you should be able to express passion even if you're playing pianissimo and, and as quiet as possible. And you should be able to express and enchant the room off of a very slight sound and have everybody holding their breath until you let go. And very similarly, when you're talking to people, you want to leverage the silence. You want to leverage the pauses and the interaction with people to make sure they're hanging on to every single word that you're saying. So I know I'm rambling a little bit, but to tie a bow on all of this, going back to what you said about communication, I think the biggest and most impactful book that I've read about inner talk, it's called The Inner Game of Tennis. And it talks about how to create mental peak performance um, so even if you don't know anything about tennis, which I'm not a tennis guru, it's a great book to understand the difference between self one and self two. And I'm not going to go into the full breakdown of all of that, but like there's a lot of back and forth between your brain that doesn't allow you to be your normal self based off of the doubts that you communicate yourself that you that actually prevents the real you from coming out so i highly encourage everyone to get that book and check that out that's amazing thank you i feel like i've been given all this free consulting advice on how to future proof my career now um, and i know i have to let you go back to your leadership duties very soon so just to kind of wrap up for folks who have listened to this and have thought I need to know more now. <laughs> Where should they go to connect with the career karma community and also just kind of like hear more from you? Yeah. So I think um, I highly encourage people that are just exploring to subscribe to the Breaking Into Startups podcast to subscribe to our YouTube channel, youtube.com slash career karma. And if you want to take action today to download the career karma app, if you download the career karma app, you'll, like I said, you'll immediately get a career karma coach call you, message you, and give you support to help you think through your career goals and set an action item for you that they'll check in with you on a day-to-day -day basis. And then if you want to speak to me, you can send me a message in the app. You can send me an email to ruben at careercomma.com. You can tweet me at Ruben Harris. You can do whatever. Like pretty, pretty much th those are the best ways to reach me. And yeah, that's pretty much it. That's the best way to stay in touch. Amazing. Well, Ruben, thank you for all of these gems of wisdom. Uh, I'm definitely going to take this advice to heart. You know what? We should probably make this into a maker story. Yeah, I'm going to do that. I'm also going to turn it into an article for everyone who's listening. So they always have a place to come back to your wonderful advice. Thanks for your time today, Ruben. Hey, everyone. Thank you so much for tuning into Product Hunt Radio. I've got a favor to ask you. Will you take a minute to review us on iTunes, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you're listening to us right now? Thank you.
Thanks for tuning in. We'll be back next week. But in the meantime, share the podcast with your friends on Twitter and tag a guest you'd like to hear in a future episode. See you soon.